Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel and a week ago the whole cast got to meet up at Magic Fest Atlanta and uh, my favorite part of that whole thing was just getting to meet a whole bunch more online friends in real life. It's basically the main reason I go to events and, and it's always good to hang out with people you enjoy. I'm Brian Dawes and my favorite part of this weekend at MF Atlanta was kicking everybody out of my house. I'm Ashley Barrow, and my favorite part was definitely all the food that we ate. Yes, we did eat a lot of good places. We ate, we ate so much food. That's probably, I, I got sick on Saturday, and my big suspicion is from eating so much damn food the day before. I definitely ate a lot more than uh, played Magic. Brian, you didn't kick us out of your house. You're right, I was just joking. You nicely escorted us to the airport. Thank <laughs> you. true. That, that is very true. Yeah, so Vorthos cast, we've we've now officially all actually met each other in Meat Space uh, in Atlanta. That was that was a lot of fun. We had a we had a great time. Um, met uh, a couple of fans of the show. So if if you're one of the listeners who got to say hi that weekend, uh, th- thanks for stopping by and saying hi. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can do um, a meetup some other time, maybe a little more northernly to balance out fairness of travel. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure it out. But uh, so so one of the cool things we did was the weatherlight duel in Commander. Me with my Volrath deck, Jay with his uh, Greven deck, Carrie with their Gerard deck, and then Brian with his Tangarth deck. Tongar yes, deck. triumphant Tangarth deck. Brian won the weatherlight duel. So so we played a, a game of Commander. Uh, Ashley was not able to get a deck together in time because of college. Sorry, Ashley. And I was also not there while you know, when y'all played. That's fair, because you had to drive all the way up that morning. So, yeah. So so we got to do that, and then that was our <laughs> little promised piece of entertainment. So uh, that, that was a lot of fun. That was a really good game. Uh, there were a lot of sweet plays. Uh, the the All the four of those new commanders are really cool. They do cool things. There were some very interesting story moments as well. Like uh, Dominate getting cast on Greven by Volrath. Yeah, I I got to cast Dominate on Greven mid combat. It was sweet. Vol, uh, Gerard got to sacrifice himself to save a bunch of the pieces of the legacy. It, it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad we did that. And Tongarth got to eliminate Greven, amongst other people. Ta- Tongarth, uh, the only one of the four to actually survive the Weatherlight Saga, is the one who survived the duel. So we kept it story perfect. Uh, there's there's a couple quick little bits of news this week. So uh, the first is that Chandra Trials of Alara, the second series of comics by IDW, has officially been canceled. So that's not going to happen. We're still waiting on Chandra number four from uh, the that first short series, and it looks like that's going to be it for IDW right now. I I don't know if there's something else planned from them. Uh, obviously, nothing's been announced. So uh, it it looks like scheduling issues that have plagued this series. Remember, uh, Chandra number four was supposed to come out in like April, and and Trials of Alara was supposed to be out by now. This whole thing has been a scheduling disaster, and uh, it, it looks like that's gonna be an early curtain on the IDW revivals. So ugh, it's unfortunate. We've gotten a product image from the Game Night product for this year. This is a kind of five-person multiplayer boxed product, uh, you know, pre-con, 
product that's a good gift item, especially for newer players. And the cover of the container features images of Jace, Fresca, and Nahiri, which I think is fascinating. Um, none of them are doing anything in the story right now. Nahiri Discourse Night. <laughs> yeah, do not do not teach people magic by engaging in Nahiri Discourse. Uh, um, so, so it's interesting to have them on, and uh, I'm interested to see those decks and and see what those characters have to do. Um, you know, we have a, a largely white character in Nahiri, a mono blue character in Jace, and Brasco could either be uh, mono green or mono black. She's already been a mono black card in a Planeswalker deck, so um, I assume there will be two more Planeswalkers for five decks total, one in each color. Um, we'll see. Uh, and then our final bit of sad news is that we have officially confirmed that there is no Throne of Eldraine art book. Ooh. Yeah, those are the Viz Media publications that uh, James Wyatt was writing and publishing that uh, took a lot of elements from the World Guides and other internal documents. And James tidied them up and added some more information and had big full-page spreads and of high-res art. And, and they, were, they were excellent. I really adored that line of products. And... Uh, we're not getting one from Eldraine. Uh, we have no idea if we are going to get more in the future. I assume we're going to go set by set and find out um, in, until there's some kind of big final announcement that, that they're canceled. I don't know. The uh, The last couple art books um, were not published with Viz Media. They were under a different publisher. So I don't know anything about it, but it might just be that Wizards contract with Viz was up or they didn't renew it or whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't know any sales numbers on the art books either. So it's possible that they started off strong and just kind of tapered off and they weren't selling well. So they got canceled. I don't know. Not going to lie. This was the one that I was really looking forward to the most out of the, the, the last couple. This was the one that I really wanted because the story left a lot to be desired as far as the rest of the other courts. And I was really interested to see how they were and just to see more of Garen Brig or Lockthwain or even um, Embereth would have been really sweet, and I was really looking forward to seeing that in the art book. But it doesn't look like we're getting that. Maybe we're getting a D and D book. That'd be sweet, but I doubt it. But we'll see. Yeah, nothing's been announced yet. Um, I I think they would have announced something by now if we were getting like a full D and D book. Um, the community, I, I I think, has that same sentiment that um, you know of of all the worlds to do an art book on this one would have been really sweet. And as someone who has seen the world guide and seen a lot of the concept art, um, I wish we had an art book for it too. It's it's a really cool world. I was not terribly excited about Eldrain until I started reading about it, and it is fascinating. It's really cool. Um, it's it's one of Magic just does top down sets really well. This one, I think more than some of the others i i think it's in estrada levels of coolness i i think you can tell a lot of that from the card set but but the 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 full extent of the world building for eldraine is really cool and i and i hope i hope we get some um stuff on the website about it um i know there's at least one article in the works about eldraine flavor um i don't know how much that is going to talk about but uh we'll see uh i i really want to hear more and, or rather, I, I really want everybody else to be able to hear more because I already do. Um, 
yeah, it's it's disappointing. I I, I really hope uh, James gets to write more of those. He's fantastic. He's done an awesome job with uh, those books in the past. So, I don't know. Uh, Theros as a return set has a previous block to work from. So maybe, maybe we'll get a Theros one. I don't know. Uh, hopefully. As long as we're talking about Eldraine flavor, we should talk about this week's feature, which is uh, sort of a part one of two on flavor gems of Throne of Eldraine. So uh, the the set is constructed of two two main elements: um, Arthurian legend and uh, Northern European fairy tales. And the world is the world itself is pretty strictly divided between them. Uh, the realm is this kind of central. Uh, peaceful nightly region that has all the Arthurian influences and then the wilds are where all the fairy tale stories exist um, along the borders of the realm uh, we we are roughly splitting these up uh, so so this week is going to be all about the Arthurian stuff and and, and the knights and whatnot and uh, next week we're gonna go uh, really deep on fairy tale stuff and get really specific on things because there's a lot of really good specific references along with some uh, general thematic ones so so that'll be next week uh, but this week is the Arthurian stuff and just to kind of uh, lead into that because the story itself mostly follows Rowan and Will. They are our main protagonists, and they are knights. So uh, we have four story spotlights for this set. So the first is Unexplained Vision, where Rowan and Will head to the Magic Mirror in Vantress to find out how they can find their father. And it shows them this image of the stag and says, hey, find the stag, find your dad. And uh, that's what that card art depicts. Find the girl, save the world. <laughs> Sort of. I mean, it's the same basic idea. Then there's Kendra's Transformation, which shows uh, Oko's uh, transformation of Algenis Kenrith into the, the stag. Oh no, but Rowan and Will don't find that out till later. So uh, that's a neat little piece of green removal that Rosewater admitted is a really, really, really heavy bend um, for the story, for the sake of the story spotlight. I don't care. I feel like it should be green's because dryads do that kind of crap all the time i've never understood why it's blue i don't understand then we have one of our preview cards return of the wild speaker which is garrick being cured of his curse from the chain veil so he's back to being grumpy wilderness dad um which which i really enjoy as a role for him and then there's happily ever after which is uh Algenis and linden back in arden vale living happily ever after or so we think. It, until return to Eldraine, where I'm sure everything will go terribly again. Uh, so, so that's our four basic story spotlights. And then uh, we have uh, one of the main cycles in this set uh, relates to this Arthurian thing. And um, so Eldraine is kind of broken up into these five courts. Uh, Ardenvale for white, Vantress for blue, Lothwain for black, Embereth for red, and Garenbrig for green. Knights can quest out of any of these courts, and if you quest from all five, you get to be High King. You know, if you look on a back of a magic card, you can see the, the colors in a circle. Um, and we have a cycle of knights at Uncommon that are legends at Uncommon. And they're, they're kind of the, like, Knights of the Round Table-ish thing. So we have uh, Sir Alan the Lion's Claw, who is in white. There is Sir Eleonora the Discerning in blue. 
There is Sir Conrad the Grim in black, Sir Kara the Bold in red, and Sir Fere or Sir Fair the Hengehammer in green. So uh, we get a nice little cycle of knights to be like knights of legend, which is pretty cool. Um, if, you, if you're doing a Arthurian thing where where the knights are your main characters, so we get we get bonus legends, which is always cool. Okay, so the card Righteousness depicts uh, the really iconic scene from the end of the Sleeping Beauty movie where the prince, Prince Philip, fights Maleficent, who is the alleged bad guy. Of course, if you saw the live-action movie, you know the real story. And you can get more of that in our uh, secret upcoming Disney Discourse podcast. (laughs) I mean, maybe a pull from the deep topic one day. (laughs) <laughs> Everything I just said is so cursed. <laughs> yeah, you never know. It, it could happen. Anywho, the next card on our list is the Circle of Loyalty, which is a flashback to the round table, um, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, obviously, you would consider the Knights of the Round Table loyal to Arthur and his cause, so... If you notice, all of Ardenvale's visual iconography is circles, so that that's all like really, really pulling from round table iconography. It's uh, almost a goofy amount, but I think you end up with really cool stuff. Like uh, Linden's armor looks amazing with all the circles. And in silver it. flame ritual and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, common phrases and idioms and tropes uh, get used in top-down sets all the time. So we have a card, Shining Armor, which when you cast it can just attach to a knight because you have a knight in Shining Armor. That's the joke. It's fantastic. It's very simple. It's very low-hanging fruit. And it's the kind of card that needs to exist. If like it didn't exist in the set, you would be wondering where it is. So you have to have it. Uh, then we have Emery, Lurker of the Lock, uh, who is one of the Undines, the merfolk of the world, and... Uh, she lets you cast artifacts from your graveyard and basically has affinity for artifacts and is shown in the art handing a sword to you on the other side of the card. Because she is the top-down version of this set's Lady in the Lake uh, from the Arthurian legend. She is the person who gives King Arthur Excalibur. You know, it's it's not the most ideal system of government. <laughs> you mean a waterlogged tarp throwing a, a sword at someone isn't the, the best way to... To build a government? Not entirely. It's fun because we'll talk more Monty Python later. Uh, uh, the, the other blue legend is Gadwick the Wizened, who is the Merlin character. And uh, he's just this crazy old wizard who uh, knows a whole bunch of stuff. And the more mana you put into his casting costs, the more stuff you know. So, you know, you know, the longer you've existed in the game, the older you are. And the older you are, the more you know. So, so he, I, I love that. Uh, you know, he gets smarter with time um, mechanically because Merlin is, uh, you know, in some versions of stories, Merlin is like from Roman times conquering Britannia and, and this kind of ancient ageless wizard. And uh, did we now have an actual version of that, despite the fact that so many wizards and magic are, are Merlin tropes. But uh, now we have like the Merlin Merlin. So the next card on our list is Barrow Witches. You can see various flavor texts from them in different cards that 
were previewed. So I was really, really excited for when we finally see the actual Barrel Witches. And here they are. Uh, if you have listened to uh, the cold open in any of our shows, you know my last name is Barrow. So it's me. It you. It me and Jenny, but mostly me. Gonna be Annie. The next card is Oathsworn Knight, which is a cool card because it is another throwback to Monty Python in that it takes four strikes before he goes down and stays down, or is, or at least is immobile. I kind of wish this was a legendary creature of some sort, just so I could build a Black Knight deck, but it's okay. It's, it's really sweet. Because if you haven't seen Monty Python, early in the movie there is a scene where there's a Black Knight guarding a bridge going over a really shallow river that they probably could have just gone around in the first place. But King Arthur and his horse, Nancy are approaching this bridge, and the Black Knight says, none shall pass, and he refuses to let them pass until they fight, and then Arthur chops off one limb, then another limb, then another limb, then another limb, till you've got the Black Knight just standing there on his stumps being a quadriplegic, saying it's but a flesh wound. And um, it's one of the more awesome scenes in the in the movie, or one of the funniest to me anyway. It's one of the goofiest. Uh, I I adore Monty Python's Flying Circus. I, I have the whole television series on DVD. Uh, their comedy is wonderfully weird, and th- this is just like one of the most graphically brutal. Like like it's it's really they embrace the camp of the scene when they lop off an arm. It's just like really corny blood squirty effects, and it's really over the top. <laughs> um, like. It's goofy. Yeah, we just have, like, a Monty Python's Black Knight card, which is sweet. Um, and somewhat tangentially related to that, we also have the Cauldron of Eternity, which is one of the most uh, lore-efficient cards. So so this is Black's legendary artifact in the set. It's uh, Lost to the Wilds, though. It is not in Castle Lochtwain. And um, this kind of blends two large pieces of um, medieval folklore together. So so on one hand, it's the uh, Holy Grail story. So uh, Lochtwain's thing where uh, they have to go seek the Cauldron of Eternity and reclaim it for Lochtwain is um, kind of this set's version of the Grail quest. But the fact that it's a cauldron and and not necessarily a little cup uh, makes it similar to... um, I'm going to try and pronounce a Welsh thing, but not a real letterly, letter, letterly, letterary Welsh thing. See, I can't even make up words and pronounce them correctly. Um, so the, the Per Dedeni, which is a uh, magical cauldron in Welsh mythology that has the ability to revive the dead, which the Cauldron of Eternity can. So so they, they this object kind of takes that older organic Welsh myth and uh, ties it up in the style of a Grail quest, which I think is really neat and really cool. It gives uh, a, a twist on both stories um, that neither of them really have on their own and provides a neat magical item for the set. Next we have uh, Rankle Master of Pranks, who's one of the Black Fairies. The, uh, the Black Fairies in the set are really mean trickster folks. And uh, he's kind of a direct reference to Puck from Shakespeare's Midsummer's Night Dream. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Oberon a little later, because Oberon is absolutely in the set. Um, Puck is Oberon's fair folk boy toy, basically. Um, Puck is an agent of chaos <laughs> and destruction. Puck screws everything up. 
the driving force of the narrative in Midsummer's Night Dream is Puck screwing up a love potion and getting the wrong young people falling in love with the wrong young people and chaos ensues and it's it's very funny um if you ever have a chance the 1999 movie version uh is fantastic um rupert everett is there as oberon stanley tucci is puck which is fantastic michelle pfeiffer is titania the fairy queen uh christian bale's in there um young christian bale uh younger at least pre-batman um, people, people forget he was acting all through the 90s. It's very enjoyable uh, if you're into Shakespeare, which he should be because a lot of his plays are really fun. Um, then we have Embercleave, which is the red legendary artifact. This is our Excalibur card, the Sword of Legend, the ridiculously powerful how could you ever lose when you're wielding this thing's sword. And it's uh, loosely tied to uh, the Sword in the Stone myth, which... Um, in Arthurian mythology, uh, sometimes the Sword in the Stone and Excalibur are the same sword, sometimes they're different swords. Uh, so that's something that's not really consistent, and uh, for the purpose of, of this, uh, Embercleave is Excalibur, but also ties into this world's version of the Sword in the Stone thing. So um, uh, we've seen it reference on a couple cards, um, this rock called the Iron Crag, which is this rock by uh, the Castle Embereth that uh, a bunch of swords are stuck into and you have to be courageous enough to pull them out in order to uh, be worthy of knighthood in Embereth. Um, so I'm actually very sad the Iron Crag itself doesn't have a card, um, but uh, we I don't think you could do this set without an Excalibur and Embercleave is that one. And uh, because it's knights and you just do like generic top-down knight things, we also have a card called Joust now that is a fight card and, and is... Uh, just to like, hey, what's it mean for a creature to joust another creature? And, and that and that's the card. And that's, uh, I think, a huge part of top-down sets is not necessarily always specific references, but like general thematic ones. And joust is, again, uh, like Shining Armor, just one of those uh, bread-and-butter workhorse top-down cards that just make the set cohesively feel cool. Exactly. It also gives the knights their, that little bonus because jousting is hard if you're not trained in it, so... I know, I've seen a Knight's Tale. <laughs> Alright, the next card is Robber of the Rich. And I'm going to go ahead and pair it with Outlaw's Merriment because these this is Robin Hood and his merry uh, band of thieves. And I love the flavor on this card. Um, Did you almost say gay? No, but, I mean, why not? Sure. Um, sounded like you were going to be judgmental. No. No, but they're merry men. Of course, some of them are gay. I've seen sure. Robin Hood men in tights. Tight tights. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I-, I love Robin Hood and the men in tights. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and this, this car. Unlike and... other Robin Hoods, I speak with a British accent. <laughs> Duncan yeah. on Kevin Costner. Jeez. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But yeah, um, really good cards that really, uh, gosh, I'm completely thrown off now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really flavorful in that they tend to strike lightning fast and get out and they steal from the rich, exile on the top card of your library or your opponent's libraries and let you cast them and steal to the poor, which is you. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I really like that um, Outlaws Merriman, if you look at the tokens, um, there's a Friar Tuck card, there's a Little John card, um, there's a Will Scarlet card, I, th I think it's uh, gender swapped Will Scarlet. Um, it, like, it just is the Robin Hood thing, which uh, um, some people were a little more accepting of than others. I, I think this is one of the top-down parts that uh, was a little contested uh, for this set, because Robin Hood isn't part of Arthurian legend. Um, what Robin Hood is part of is uh, medieval English legend and folklore. Um, so, so I think I think that is close enough. Um, you know, the Robin Hood stories still take place at a time when there are castles and knights and 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 whatnot. Uh, it's a story during the Crusades. Um, so that's a a little bit later than a couple hundred years later than the Arthurian legends are set supposed to take place. But uh, Robin Hood's folklore has also been really diverse throughout history. Those stories have been retold in a bunch of different ways, and some of them do have fantasy elements. Um, the aforementioned Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves has a witch in it a witch is helping the sheriff of nottingham um played by the phenomenal alan rickman okay but like the best the best one is definitely the disney furry one correct um so just putting that out there there is no doubting that the disney furry one is also excellent can we just dunk on the russell crowe one that was bad <laughs> have at it <laughs> it was so bad i i saw that movie in theaters Oh, that, I'm so sorry for you. I saw it exactly once on VHS, and that was it. I wasn't even paying attention by the second half of the movie. Like, it it was it came out at this time when they were like, let's do like the prequel to the legend thing in a bunch of movies, and it was just like, I was waiting for the whole movie for Robin Hood to show up, and it was just like he doesn't actually like become Robin Hood until like literally the end of the movie. And I'm just like, what was the point of this? Like, it, they just, it was bad. It was so bad. Don't watch it. Don't watch the Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie. Watch Prince of Thieves is goofy. <laughs> it's it's goofy 80s fun. And and Men in Tights is, is hilarious. Bell Brooks is phenomenal. Um, that's a lot about movies, though. Um, we can move on to the Great Henge, though. Um, every one of these castles, I want to say, this is my favorite castle of the world. I think they're all just really cool. Uh, Garenbrig pulls a lot from the ancient Henge um, monuments in, in the British Isles. Um, so, you know, Stonehenge being the most famous, but there are henges all over uh, the UK and Ireland, um, Northern Europe too. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of Henge stuff in uh, Northern France. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, so this is a Henge and a portal and uh, also a sundial. It, it plays into a lot of the ideas about what Stonehenge could have been as, as a timekeeping device or um, something to track stars or or passage of celestial bodies. Um, all these kinds of ideas of what Stonehenge could have been built for are kind of wrapped into the Garenbrig Castle and the Great Henge that sits in the middle of the courtyard. Because um, a portal opens up into the wilds. Um, if you move the different henge stones into certain positions, which is really cool, and 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 just kind of um, just just plays up the sense of wonder and mystery and like the weirdness of magic in this world. Uh, as we'll we'll talk about more about how magic is kind of um, non-linear uh, next week. Um, the the magic in Eldraine is. You can you can do a thing twice and get different results. It is not consistent like that. It is tricksy and playful, which is which is cool. Keeper of Fables is interesting. Uh, this is another one that Jay put on the list, and I'm like, what is this for? So I and and, and I realized, oh wait, 
It's a lion. Uh, and it has the flavor text, Only the lion knows more stories than I do, from Tulane, Teller of Tales. Um, you know, uh, do not quote the deep magic to me, which I was here <laughs> when it was born. This is Aslan. Uh, from C.S. Lewis's um, *The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Oh, I was thinking it was more like a like a between the lions deal, like maybe. <laughs> yours is a lot better than my. Well, yours is a lot better than what I thought. Yeah, like like it's it's just our like super ancient lion who knows all the stories, which is not Arthurian, but C.S. Lewis's series. Um, it is. It's a seven book series. I don't. I don't a lot of people don't know that. Uh, People stopped seeing those movies uh, after I think they got to three before they stopped making money. But uh, they they are roughly medieval set things. Uh, C.S. Lewis, like J.R.R. Tolkien, was largely writing um, with British British history as um, the medium, and and so Aslan being part of this mythological medieval England story. Um, I, I guess makes him fit in a top-down card in this set. Um, even though C.S. Lewis was writing super-duper Christian stuff, uh, which wouldn't have been talked about in the same way then as when C.S. Lewis was writing. But you know, that's I'm sure there's tons of other ways to investigate C.S. Lewis and Christianity and British history and whatnot. That's not for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as long as we're talking about stories and British folkloric history. Uh, Once in Future is a direct reference to uh, the title of the book, The Once in Future King, which is T.H. White's retelling of the Arthurian legend. Um, so published around the same time Lord of the Rings and uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe are being published. There's a, there's a huge revival of uh, British medieval fiction and, and whatnot at the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean this, is, this is literally just a reference to one of the uh, more popular retellings of Arthurian legends so uh good job creative text team for getting that in there because uh when you do top-down stuff that's what you do uh the questing beast is another top-down thing from Arthurian legends uh it's it's this chimeric monster that um helps signal kind of the start of Arthur's rise the card itself is is pretty loosely um both visually and mechanically uh, based on the questing beast from Arthurian legend, it's yeah, it's not my favorite card in the set as far as references go. Um, the name is there for that thing. I, I'm still trying to figure out how mechanically it really fits into the legend of the questing beast. Um, my my assumption is that it that it helps your creatures, you know. So if it's sending creatures on a quest, it wants to ensure that the creatures actually do the quest so like their damage can't be prevented and and it like smashes planeswalkers because they're interlopers get them out of the way and and that's the best i can come up with for it um it's it looks mostly like a play design card with a bunch of bunch of words on it to do some stuff in constructed formats and standard um it doesn't it doesn't seem like it was a top-down questing beast to me and then we have Yorvo, Lord of Garenbrig, who's the king of Garenbrig. Um, I, I don't think he's a specific reference to anything um, from folklore, but uh, he is the king of Garenbrig, the son of the first giant king who, who wrested control of Garenbrig out from the humans in the, the early days of the realm. Um, 
and he's a really nice guy. If you've uh, read the Wildred Quest so far, he's he's really friendly and helpful to the uh, main characters in their pursuit and their quest. And uh, God, that card's a beating. He big. Uh, then we have Doom Foretold, which is another specific Arthurian reference. There's a point in the Arthurian legend where he has a terrifying dream of his own demise at the hands of Mordred. And uh, that eventually does come to pass. One of the most popular and most referenced versions of the Arthurian legend is Le Mort d'Arthur, the death of Arthur, by an Arthur Sir Thomas Mallory. So this is kind of the uh, the version of the Arthur, le- Arthur legends that most get told. And uh, the, the last chapter is kind of the death of Arthur, the collapse of Camelot, the disbanding of the Knights of the Round Table, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, the, that, that is all directly foretold in a dream, and, and that's, that's this card. Hey, Doom is going to happen, and then Doom happens. Okay, so the next card we're going to talk about is something that I was told by our uh, live listen chat that I'm going to pronounce wrong because... Lorelai also pronounced Locke wrong, so I'm going to say it like Locke, and y'all are going to have to deal with that, because I'm not entirely sure what y'all are trying to tell me. Anyway, the next card is Lockmere Serpent, which is a reference to one of my besties in the whole world, the Loch Ness Monster. Um, yeah, this is just Nessie. Very cute. Love the glowing eyes. This is this is a very Disney-looking sea monster. Yeah, it's really, really cool. So, so Lockmere is the lake that surrounds Castle Vantress, the, the blue castle, and... Uh... I, I like that this set isn't strictly English things. Um, we have Welsh things. We have Scottish things. Um, if you've been playing MTG Arena, it's with updated to Eldrain. Um, uh, so uh, Will and Rowan have Scottish accents because I'm very, very tired of English ones. So I was like, hey, can we make them Scottish? And then so they were, um, which is neat because their card is uh, done. Their, their regular pack art is done by Paul Scott Canavan, who's a Scottish artist. So. You're welcome, Paul. They're Scottish, just like you. <laughs> um, like again, lo- the Loch Ness monster is not an Arthurian legend thing. It's not a knight's thing, but it's a. She's real. Yes, a real thing, and uh, like folklore of the region thing. Um, I mean, obviously there are lots of lake monsters in in local folklore across. Oh, oh! Fun fact. Can I say a fun fact? Um, there's a nearly identical cryptid that lives in my town uh, named the Altamahaha, or Alti. Uh, if you go on the Wikipedia page for cryptids, she's the first on the list for lake monsters, which means that she wins. Yeah, she comes first in the phone book. Oh, that's that's a thing that I guess people don't really know anymore because people don't have phone books. <laughs> and I did promise an Oberon, and that is Oko Thief of Crowns, one of our new planeswalkers. Uh, he he is a likens himself, you know. He he won't admit it, but I think he wishes he was a fairy king, and he's a trickster and uh, a little reckless and a little foolish, just like Oberon. Um, I Oberon was one of my core references uh, when when writing Oko for Arena. So uh, to see him come out uh, the way he did was really fun. Um, Garrick plays up the Huntsman role, which we're probably going to talk a little bit more about next week, but we'll briefly mention here, uh, that that's more of the fairy tale thing. Um, and then we have the Royal Scions, uh, Rowan and Will, who are the Kenrith twins, the young knights. They are, they are the knights out on quests. 
Um, that's that's kind of what they do in this story. Um, they're they're looking for their dad who is missing. Their dad who is missing happens to be Kenrith, the returned king. Uh, he is, by all accounts, a wise and fair ruler. Um, and when he goes missing, the realm starts to slowly erode as um, the courts start to argue amongst themselves and the wilds start making bolder and bolder incursions upon the realm, um, which is what drives the Kenrith twins to find their father even more than um, their normal zeal to be out and about. So, um, really awesome card. I love how he idealizes all five courts of the challenges that he's uh, passed by doing different things that are related to their um, their courts, um, with the red one being all about. I like that they start at one mana and then two mana, then three and four and five. Like they like you you get to watch him progress through the courts, which is which is cool. Um, and we have one more card, which is kind of a weird fit because uh, it's not related to anything. Um, but because it's a top-down card, we're going to mention it in this episode. And that's Wishclaw Talisman, which is a top-down monkey's paw. Um, so the monkey's paw folklore comes from a whole bunch of Victorian British Orientalism in South Asia. Um, where, I, you know, if you have a... It's, it's from, a, from a story. So uh, there's a mummified monkey's paw that is a talisman. And uh, you make a wish, and, and one, one of the toes curls in, but then the wish doesn't quite come out as you wanted. And, and that's kind of how this card goes. Like, you have a very cheap tutor effect, but it doesn't go out quite how you wanted because somebody else then gets to use it. And then they use it, and then it doesn't quite go how they want it to go, because then somebody else gets to use it. And uh, so you get three wishes out of it, but there's a downside every time. It, it's just a weird fit for the set. I don't know why it's here. Like, like it's, it's a cool card that it exists, I just don't know why this set specifically. I like this card because the monkey's paw has been a, uh, a year's running joke in my main magic friend group, just for unrelated reasons. We're always joking about the monkey's paw. So, Jordan, if you're listening to this, it's your monkey's paw. And uh, that's that's going to do it for this week. It's all our Arthurian legends and the monkey's paw and the Loch Ness Monster and Aslan. A couple of randos in there. But but yeah, so so this set has a lot of... Um, it's broadly built from Arthurian legend. And then um, a lot of the specific top-down cards are going to be talked about next week when we talk about the fairy tale stuff. So uh, I, I, I guess uh, ultimately um, we move to final thoughts. I guess my final thought is, um, like I said earlier, Arena has updated. Eldraine is now live on Arena. Um, if you're a longtime listener, you already know. But if you're new to the show, first, thank you uh, for listening. And second, uh, I am the person who writes the Planeswalker scripts for Arena. So uh, I just had uh, Garrick, the Royal Scions, and Oko published. So uh if you if you hear those in your upcoming games of Eldraine, uh, you know I I hope you enjoy them. They were a lot of fun to write. They were a huge challenge. I have a big thread about them on uh, over on my Twitter uh, at Lorelai Writes, and uh, just I, I I very much enjoy getting to work on Arena and and bring those characters to life. And uh, I, I hope I hope that 
the times when uh, y'all hear those lines, you you find those enjoyable and you find those enriching for the game. That's that's all I can ask for with that work. Uh, my final thought is that I had a lot of fun at G or MF Atlanta, and um, it was really cool to meet up with people and chat with people who um, I know from the Discord or from Twitter and. Um, you know, it was really cool to meet people and I don't do that enough. So if you came up and said hi, that was part of the highlight of my weekend. So really appreciate that and, uh, hope everybody else had fun. That's also going to be my final thought. I had a really good time at, uh, MF slash GP Atlanta, whatever we're calling it. Cause that was actually my first GP, the last like big magic event I went to was Pro Tour Atlanta. So it was nice to get out, even though I didn't actually go inside the GP. Also, now I look really selfish because my final thought was about me and yours was both very wholesome. <laughs> uh, which, fair, I'm, I'm the one with the biggest ego on the show. So, you know, I, I guess that's on brand. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vorthos cast is great. We we're doing a cool thing. I'm 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 glad we finally got to meet. That that was cool. And uh, if you listeners out there uh, also think that the Vorthos cast is a great thing, this, <laughs> this force a segue by telling people how great your project is. <laughs> uh, uh, so so if y'all think uh, the Vorthos cast is great too, um, and and you want to help us keep making episodes, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheVorthosCast and donate today. Everyone who donates gets access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are talking about the exciting new cards in Eldraine, the uh, Wildered Quest, the story that was just published for this set, um, you know, speculating on, on Magic's future. Next year we're going to uh, back to Theros. We are going uh, to a new plane called Ikoria. Oh, and then uh, we're hitting a, a third return to Zendikar at the end of the year. And, and that's all exciting stuff. So everyone who supports us gets access to the Discord. Uh, we also have a, uh, each month we release a short 10-ish minute episode of uh, bonus content about, you know, whatever we feel like talking about that month. Um, uh, that's on a uh, $3 a month tier. Um, and then uh, for $5 a month, you can get access to live listens and uh, be here when we record the episode. So that not only gets you the episode a couple days early, it also gets you the ability to chat with us before and after the show or listen to all the crap that happens. Uh, sorry if you listened uh, live listened this episode because we spent basically the whole half hour before the show prepping because we were panicking and we're not organized at all. Sorry. Um, it's, it varies from week to week. It's very exciting. Uh, sometimes when Jay is on, his son will be on Arjun, and, and y'all get to hear Arjun be a toddler, and that's always fun. But uh, So we record uh, Thursdays around uh, 7 to 7.30 Eastern Time. So, uh, you know, if, if if you enjoyed the Vorthos cast, if you're, whether you're a new listener or uh, a veteran and, and want to support us, uh, we really appreciate that. Um, we can't keep the show running without you folks, and we just really like that y'all exist and and get to be on this content creation journey with us so thank you all for listening this has been the vorthos cast